Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. I've been uh, talking about discussing these, uh, these sins that uh, Paul makes mention of, uh, telling us these are things that we need to be putting away. And last week, we um, talked uh, some things about anger and uh, kind of give you a, a working definition of that, uh, talked about uh, what uh, Scripture says about us putting away uh, sinful anger. And I kind of just left you hanging there um, about exactly how we go about putting it away, because it's important that we do put it away, and it's sinful anger. And uh, so how did you do this past week? with your sinful anger. Um, did uh, you blow up or clam up at all this week? Um, did you find uh, frustrations and, and things like that? Um, we need to remember that, um, you know, God's word commands us uh, to put away our sinful anger. And I, and I mentioned that uh, anger in itself is not sinful, but it can become sinful when uh, we begin to attack people and not problems. And that's why God has given us anger. It's supposed to be used so that way we can solve our problems and solve them constructively. We use that energy that we are um, frustrated about and we use them to uh, constructively uh, solve the problems that we are faced with. And so our text here, Colossians 3, 7 through 8, the command is, in these two you once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So that's the command. How do we do it? And that's kind of where we uh, left off uh, last week about actually putting these things away. And I want to give you the practical side of that uh, here this morning. And, you know, we can put these things away because of our identity in Christ, who we are in Jesus. Uh, if we have been transformed by the power of the gospel, we have the ability to put them away because the gospel is transforming us and will continue to transform us as we yield to the word of God, as we yield to uh, the spirit of God working in us, and as we obey uh, God's word and obey the spirit, we can uh, put these things away. And that's all part of God's sanctifying work uh, in our lives. And so this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. The gospel is the answer to putting away sinful anger. The gospel is the answer to putting away sinful anger. So let's look at the practical side of putting away our sinful anger through the hope of the gospel. So here's the first thing I want you to notice. Number one, deal with your anger on the heart level. Deal with your anger on the heart level. If we are going to uh, put away sinful anger, we need to recognize the evil desires that are present in our hearts. The heart of all sin, whether it be sinful anger, whether that be lying, whether that be uh, fornication or adultery, whatever you want to put in there, the heart of all sin, okay, comes from our hearts. That's where it proceeds from. And so we need to deal with our sinful anger 
on the heart level. We got to get down inside and we got to deal with those things that God's word uh, teaches us and tells us about. Now, when we talk about the human heart, we're not talking about the thing that's pumping blood, you know, right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about the inner man. That's what scripture describes the heart as. That's the inner man. Um, it's the thing, the seat of our emotions, our intellect, our will. And uh, we need to understand that all of sin proceeds out of our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 insists this, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows all the issues of life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12 tells us that God's word judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. James, uh, that we're going to be looking at here in uh, James uh, chapter 4, I want to show you some things here about our heart. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, James gives us an in-depth look where anger comes from. Listen how he addresses uh, ungodly anger to these believers that he's writing to. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He says, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? They're at war with one another. And they're within you. It's inside. It's the inner man. It's, there's a struggle, a battle that's going on. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. He says, you covet and can't obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. Why are we fighting? Why are we bickering? Why are we blowing up or clamming up in anger? We're doing it all because there are evil passions, evil desires that are in our hearts. And they desire certain things. And so James is telling us about several forms of this angry fruit, killing, coveting, quarreling, fighting. Later on, if you continue reading in uh, James uh, chapter uh, 4 there, verses 11 through 12, uh, James tells us more of this fruit of sinful anger that, that comes from that, which includes the sins of slander and judging one another. He writes, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Sadly, all of this kind of stuff occurs within the church. Sinful anger. Outburst of anger, bitterness, clamming up, holding on to things, grudges, right? Because somebody said something, did something, what we thought they said, what we thought they did, right? And we release it on other people, and it's sinful. And so we got to deal with it on the heart level. Notice again here in James 4, 1 through 3, how we can deal with our sinful anger. James actually answers that with uh, the question. Look at verse number 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? What causes it? Is it because somebody said something? Nope. Is it because somebody did something to you? Nope. 
Is it because your husband didn't put the dishes away where they should be? No. Is it because your wife didn't think what you thought that she should be thinking? No. What causes these fights and these quarrels among us? Look what he says again. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And so if we are going to put off our sinful anger, it's not enough to just stop being angry. All right, I'm going to count to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, whew, good. All right. Dealt with my anger now. No. We have to deal with the evil passions that are at present and are at war within our hearts. We have to get down to the root of why am I angry? In his book, again, I recommend it, uh, Uprooting Anger by Robert Jones. He points out four pictures that uh, James shows us what a sinful, angry heart looks like. Uh, Here they are. Number one, anger arises from our entrenched desires and pleasures that battle within us. Entrenched. Now, some of you are in here, we're in the military before. And you understand the idea of entrenchment. You understand the idea of battle, entrenching, getting down, holding the fort, right? That's what these desires are doing. They hold on inside of our hearts. And they're at war. And so when somebody does something, says something that we think is a perceived evil, what do we do? We go to battle. We go to fight because it is attacking those sinful evil passions that are at war in our hearts. 1 Peter 2.11 reminds us that our sinful desires war against our soul. Here's the second thing he said, unmet ruling wants or desires produce anger. These wants and desires is what rules or controls us. If we allow these desires to go unchecked, they will produce sin and death is what James 1, 14 through 15 teaches us. And when you think about that wants or desires, we have to understand that there's a lot of things that we desire that they in themselves are not wrong. For example, is it wrong to want to be heard? It's not. Is it wrong to want to have respect? No, it's not wrong. But see, if we're not careful, those desires can become an idol to us. And so if we don't get those things, then what do we do? We respond in anger towards that person. Is it wrong to want to have good health? No. But what if we're not healthy? We might get angry at God. We might get angry at somebody else. You see, we have to understand that there's these wants and these desires that are in our hearts that are ruling us. And we have to discover what those things are. So that way we can deal with these uh, entrenchment, these things that are entrenched in our hearts. Third thing that he talks about is anger arises from coveting. In verse number two, he says, you desire and do not have. When I think about that, I think of the, the donkey with the carrot right? The carrot's dangling out there in front of the donkey, and so that donkey's just trying to always get that carrot, right? He's 
moving on. He's trudging on through. He's trying to get that carrot, trying to get the carrot. He can never get the carrot, right? And that's exactly what these desires do in our hearts. They promise us things, but they never do fulfill. And so we're always trying to get them. Look what he says. You desire and you do not have. So what do you do because you try to get it? You're willing to sin in order to get it. What do you do? You murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel because you cannot have those desires of what your heart really wants. Greedy hearts generate conflicts. They always do. So we got to be careful that our hearts are not greedy after things. Sometimes those things can be good things, but we should not be greedy about those things. You know, sometimes people talk about, you know, life is just not fair, or, you know, I didn't get a fair shake, or, you know, I didn't get this, I didn't get that. Can I ask you a question? What's fair? What is fair? If we all got what we rightly deserved, what would we deserve? Hell forever. That's what we deserve. And so anything more than that is totally of the grace and the mercy of God. And so we need not be greedy about the things that are in our hearts, the things that we want. So we got to recognize those things, and we got to deal with them on the heart level. Fourth thing that he mentions is that anger comes from selfish motives. Verse number three, he says, you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And so there's selfish motives that are usually involved. James here gives a warning to using prayer to indulge in personal pleasures. The sinful heart seeks to please itself more than to please God. It craves its own kingdom, but not God's. That's what's going on in our hearts. And that's what we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. We've got to recognize those things, and we've got to put them away. We've got to deal with them. And so if we're going to deal with our sinful anger, we need to recognize the desires that we all have in our hearts and deal with them on the heart level. So if I were to ask you a question, are your desires ruling you? You say, well, Mike, now come on. No, my desires aren't ruling me. I'm pretty good. But what if you can't get what you really want? What happens? What does James say? You fight and you quarrel. And you're willing to sin in order to get it, to do that. When our desires are not met, when they're trampled on, when they're taken advantage of or abused, we respond in anger, whether that be blowing up or clamming up. Sometimes those desires are not evil in and of themselves, but they are ruling us, and the moment we can't get those desires met, we lash out in anger. true story. Um, probably, I don't know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we were discussing about some things. And um, it, was a, it was a topic that, to me, I think is just kind of fruitless, and it really doesn't produce anything but just rather arguments, okay? Some people like to, to talk about things because they just want to argue about stuff, all right? Um, And so my wife brought up the topic. She really wanted to have a real conversation, but I actually got angry because she was asking this question, which I thought was just so stupid and ridiculous, and I just don't even want to deal with it. 
right? So what did I do? My tone and my voice changed. And she says, oh, I see. We're not going to talk about this. So then we went on a walk. And so, like, I, you know, we're just on a walk. And I tried talking, and she kind of, like, shut down. And I was like, what's wrong? She's like, oh, no, you don't want to talk. You don't want to talk about anything, right? About what? What do you want to talk about? Right? And see, this, this, that's the thing, right? Like, my desires in my heart are saying, I don't want to discuss this because I think it's stupid, right? To me, I think it just breeds arguments. But really, my wife wanted to present ideas and just talk about them, okay? But I could feel inside me getting frustrated because we're talking about this, which I think was stupid, right? But that's the idea, right? We have to deal with these things on the heart level. We have to realize, why am I being angry at this? What is causing me to be angry about it? Remember, it's not because, you know, the kitchen chair is not where it should be. It's because you have a desire in your heart that has to be dealt with, things that you have to deal with on the heart level. And so it's these desires that we must deal with biblically through confession, repenting of them, and applying a biblical plan to change our thoughts through the renewing of our minds in Scripture. Um, I have in the back, back there, um, some more things about how you can identify desires that are ruling you, how you can go through and, and uh, work through that. It's, it's a different set of stuff that I gave out last week, but I uh, hope you can take advantage of those things. Um, and so I, I hope you'll take advantage of that. Let's look at the second thing here. If we're going to put away sinful anger, number two, apply the gospel by putting off the old self and putting on the new self. Look at our text here again. Paul says in Colossians 3, 7 through 8. He says, In these you too once walked. Once walked. When you were living in them. Were living in them. That's past tense. Once walked and were living in them. Okay, this, is, this is your manner of life, how you used to live. But I like this. Verse number 8. Look at this. But now. But now. What changed? The gospel, right? Hopefully the gospel has changed your life. Hopefully Jesus has transformed your life and has made you a new person in Christ Jesus, right? But now you must put them all away. And we can put them away because Jesus says we can. We can put them away because God's word says we can. We can put them away because we have the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells inside of us. And so the gospel did what I and you cannot do ourselves. Did you save yourself? Certainly did not. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, right? Ephesians tells us that uh, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and it says that God has resurrected you to new life. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we've been resurrected to new life in Jesus. And so we have the gospel on our side that allows us to make the changes necessary in our lives. And so Paul says here, he stresses, but now you must put them all away. It's a call of self-examination and reflection. 
Am I living in accordance to the gospel that I say has changed my life? Are you? You say, Jesus has saved me. Jesus has has saved me from all my sins and I'm on my way to heaven. Are you living in accordance to that gospel that you say has changed your life? Are you putting these things away? If not, you're fooling yourself. And so we have to make sure that we are living according to what God's word says. Does my life match up with what I profess, I say that I have with my lips? And so this is a call to remind ourselves of the gospel. Jesus died for my sins. I was crucified with Christ. And my old life was crucified with Jesus. And I've died to sin. Jesus resurrected to new life with power over sin. And I have been resurrected with him. And I have power over sin. We have power to say no to sin. That's what the grace of God is teaching us, right? The grace of God has been revealed to teach us to say no to ungodliness. And so we can say no to sin. We can put away sinful anger. I can't stress of how important it is to remind yourself of the gospel. Paul said it this way to the believers at Corinth when he was talking about the working of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and listen to this, and by which you are being saved. That's a continual process. The gospel was not a one and done, hey, I believed in Jesus, there we go, I'm done. no. The gospel is essential to our lives to bring about change and continual change, transformational change in our lives as we yield to it, as we continually remember, hey, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead to sin. I've been resurrected to new life. And I have the gospel, the power of the gospel living in me. And so Paul says that we are being saved if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And so if I'm going to put away sinful anger, I need to put off the old self and put on the new self. Notice how Paul teaches us this important aspect of our Christian living, right? He says, this is the way you used to walk. This is the way you used to live. But now you must put them all away. He makes mention more of this in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. Look what he says here. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Notice what he says, verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. This is the way you used to walk. This is the way you used to live. Put it off. Put it away. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, make the connection here. 
Verse 22, we put off ourself, the old self, right? We can stop being angry. We can control our anger, right? As we looked at last week, we can control it when we all need to, when we have to, right? And those of us that know Jesus as our Savior, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We can control our sinful anger. But it's not just enough to just stop it, right? Because we need to be putting on the new man, which is renewed after Christ Jesus. How do we do that? Do you see the connection there between verse 22 and verse 24? What is the connection? Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. What you're allowing in your mind. What you're dwelling upon. What you're thinking about. How do we renew our minds? Through the word of God. The word of God has to be essential. It has to be center. If we are going to be putting off the old man and putting on the new man. You can't just say, well, I'm going to go to church. That's not enough. You say, well... I'm just going to maybe start trying harder. That's not enough. You have to be renewed in your mind. You have to allow the Word of God to transform what you're thinking about, what you're dwelling upon. Does any of this sound familiar to you as what Paul said in Colossians? Remember what he talked about there in Colossians? Somebody help me out. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, right? You see the connection there? We're supposed to allow the Word of God to change and transform us, and we do that as we are renewed in the spirit of our mind. Later in the text here in Ephesians 4, Paul gives us some examples of putting off and putting on. Uh, Let me just read some of these things to you. Well, let me ask you this question. It's actually a riddle. When is a door not a door. When it's a jar, thank you, Reba. Okay, some of you might get that later on. Okay, when it's a jar, the door is open, it's a jar, right? Okay, you know. ding, 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 ding. Okay, when it's something different, right? When a door is not a door, it's a jar, it's something different. Okay, so here's the question. Actually, Paul puts, puts some of these things uh, to us. Uh, verse 25 in Ephesians 4, when is a liar no longer a liar? When he stops lying? Nope, that's putting it off. Remember, what are, we, what are we striving for? We're striving to be mature in Jesus Christ. We're striving to be putting on the new man. So when is a liar no longer a liar? Not just when he stops lying, but when he starts to tell the truth. That's the change. That's something different. Paul tells us in verse 26 in Ephesians 4, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So when is a person no longer reacting in sinful anger? When they just control their anger? No. He tells us later on, verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Here it is. Here's the change. Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Right? 
Later on, he talks about using our words. Let no corrupt words come out of our mouth, but only speak to that which is edifying. Right? We're not allowing angry words to come out, but we're using our mouths now to speak words of encouragement, words that build up, words that offer grace. That's the difference. That's something different. That's no longer being controlled by anger, but now being controlled by the Spirit of God. And how do we do that? Through the renewing of our minds. And so we have to put these things into connection. So what does it mean to put on the new self? Well, Paul gives us a good explanation of this. The new self is created after the likeness of God. It's way of life. Look what he says, verse 24. And to put on the new self, it's created after the likeness of God. Its way of life is marked by true righteousness and holiness. The new self has new desires, new habits, a new way of life. The former way of life is gone. It's been crucified. Forming these new desires and these habits takes discipline and it takes denying yourself. But rest assured, you can do it if you have been changed by the power of the gospel. But you have to put forth the effort to actually renewing your mind and putting into practice what the Word of God teaches. So apply the gospel by putting off the old self and putting on the new self. So here's the third thing. Put on the new self with a biblical strategy and practical steps. So you need to have a biblical strategy to deal with your sinful anger. Here's just a few that I find very helpful. Number one, memorize key scriptures that relate to anger and that deal with your evil desires in your heart. Now remember, you're going to have to search out your heart. You know what is, you're going to have to figure out what is controlling you, what is, what, is, what is dominating in your heart. And so, for example, maybe it's the right to be heard or maybe it's the right to, uh, I don't know, you fill in the blank there, whatever it is. You're going to have to go to scripture and you're going to have to find out what does God's word say about this. And you start memorizing those key scriptures. Why? Because we want to renew our mind so that way we can put on the new self, which is renewed in the likeness of Jesus Christ and true righteousness and holiness. And so we need those scriptures. We're going to have to meditate on those things. Proverbs 12, 18 states, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Do you use your words like a sword to speak rashly and thrusting words, right? But he says the tongue should be used for healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. You can use your tongue like a sword to destroy or like a scalpel to heal. Which one? Another helpful verse is James 1, 19 through 20. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. There's many, many other helpful verses in Scripture that talk about anger. I gave you a whole bunch of them last week there out of Proverbs. But you're going to have to start memorizing key Scriptures. Why do we need to memorize them? So we can get a little star and put it on our chart. Hey, look at that. I memorized five verses this week. I get to be awarded a pizza pie. No. 
It's just like the Book It program. How many of you guys remember the Book It program, right? Yeah, get your old personal pan pizza. <laughs> I wish they'd bring that back. Right? Why, why are we memorizing Scripture? What's the purpose of it? It's so because in the times of temptation, those verses can be recalled and we can use them to do battle against those evil desires in our hearts. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, when the time of temptation to respond in sinful anger happens, you're not going to have your Bible there with you. You're going to say, oh, hey, you know what? I remember there was a verse. Hold on just one second. It's not going to happen. So you need to have these things ready at your disposal so that way you can use them at the correct time. Here's the second thing. If you have sinned by being angry, go to the person and humbly ask forgiveness for your wrong. If it's a husband and wife um, and you've argued angrily in the presence of your kids, uh, I think that you should confess that to your children and say, you know, um, I was wrong. I, I got angry at mom or... I got angry at dad, and what I said was wrong. How I said it was wrong. That's not the way that a Christian is supposed to act. And you confess that. Um, and so you, you confess those things. You should uh, confess to your, your kids if you get angry at them. And you blow up at them, right? Because you're responding in sinful anger. You should confess that to your children. Thirdly, spend time daily meditating on the gospel and how God showed mercy to you at the cross. Paul goes on to say in Colossians 3, 12 through 13, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should forgive. How did Jesus forgive us? Paul told us in Colossians 2.13, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions. And so if you want to learn how to put away sinful anger, meditate on the cross. Meditate what it means that you have been forgiven of all your sin, of everything that you did to God. And think about that. Allow God's mercy to just come over you and realize that am I being merciful to this person who I think may have done something or said something to me? Right? You shouldn't respond in that sinful anger. So meditate on these truths about who you are in Christ. You're identified with him. Uh, that's all of Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Here's the fourth thing. Pray for and with those you're angry with. Pray for them. If you're angry at somebody, pray for them. Why? Why should we pray for them? Because Jesus told us to. What did he say? Pray for your enemies. 
Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Sometimes we think people are our enemies, don't we? Why do we think they're our enemies? Because they have violated these desires that are so precious to us. You know, I, I think of that. I, I actually just went on a Lord of the Rings marathon here just recently. And there's like this ring. If you've never seen it, you probably won't get the reference. But this guy, he's got this ring. He goes, my precious. <laughs> right? And he's so infatuated with it. And he's going to protect it at any cost. Right? And it's controlling him. That's the whole thing, right? Somebody tries to take our precious from us, right? And so we you know, go crazy on them, right? So there is hope. And I, I want you to know there is hope to uh, controlling your sinful anger. There's hope to allowing uh, the gospel to change and transform your life. And uh, if you need help with any of this kind of stuff, I, I'd be more than happy, any of the other elders here, more than happy to pray for you, encourage you, point you to scripture, and help you with that. Well, let's pray. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.